something to say. Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. It's Monday, so you know what we're talking about? Star Trek Discovery. And I'm excited to talk about this week's episode, because it was really good. Uh, I don't think I have any housekeeping to get up with, except for, you know, there's the usual. I've been working on the space opera thingy. I actually think I have, like, the rudimentary elements of a quasi-plan that could potentially be the thing that eventually happens. And if that sounds vague, that's a lot more than I had previously. So, yay! But I'm still working on it. Okay. So, what can we say in the realm of non-spoilers? This episode was really good. Ethan Peck's Spock really feels like a crossbreed between the Spock that we meet in the cage and the Spock that we later meet on Star Trek. It, it does feel like an intermediate stage, and I enjoy that. Um, I kind of want it to be a little bit more so, but we'll see. According to an interview that he did on The Ready Room, he was clear that we are watching the evolution of Spock 1 into Spock 2, because, you know, the second reboot of Star Trek took place between pilots. The first actually took place between Conception and Pilot 1. Um, yeah, okay, so yeah, I, I really feel... Okay, I'm going to take a victory lap. I, I kind of did this on the canon episode, which... To be honest, I recorded before I saw the episode of Star Trek Discovery, this this week's episode, which was titled, If Memory Serves. Okay, I've been really a stickler that Gene Roddenberry intended for the um, motion picture to be a reboot of Star Trek. And that his intent in the novelization, that everything that we saw in the series may or may not have happened. And if it did happen, it didn't happen in quite a colorful, melodramatic way. As we see Captain Kirk in the novel, written by Gene Roddenberry, clearly stating. This episode, to me, proved that. That that's the understanding of canon that they're working on, and, then they're, and that they're working from. In this episode, and I don't consider the spoilers yet, in this episode, we know that they go to visit Talos. We get to see the aliens. Guess what? They don't look exactly like the aliens that we met before. Now, if you want to be a stickler for continuity, you can say that that's just because of the new cameras. They couldn't do the same kind of makeup, and so they did something slightly different. And because we have computer technology now, the singing flowers could look different as well. But I, I'm, I'm I'm sticking with it. Gene Roddenberry put in Captain Kirk's head 
the idea that the adventures of the Enterprise from the original series were... Whoa! I just... That was weird. I'm going to leave that in the podcast. That sound was me literally being attacked by a Decepticon. And I don't know... I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah, I have a Soundwave toy that I keep by my desk when I record because, I don't know, it's a thing I do. And it just flew off of the shelf at me. So, that was weird. Um, but it was so weird, I'm leaving it in the podcast because... Okay, that was strange. Anyway, maybe Gene's mad at me. I don't know. Um, the great bird of the universe is trying to get its revenge. Anywho, if you don't get that reference, watch the original series. It's it, it's a thing. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, the, to me, the fact that we get to go back to Talos, we get to meet the aliens, they get to look slightly different. They get to act slightly different. Vina looks and acts slightly different. She describes the events that happen, as does some of the other characters, in a way that is reminiscent of the events that we saw in the cage that we later see repackaged into the menagerie. Why do I have such a hard time saying that word? The menagerie. And, yeah. This just proves it to me. Just, just, they're running off of this concept that has been beaten into Star Trek for a very long time, that while the events in the original series may have happened, the actual stories may have uh, actually worked out a little bit different. So, yeah. Victory lap. All in all, this was a really good episode. I rather enjoyed the Telosians, who I found really fun only one of them got anything close to a name, and that is The Keeper. And the other one is referred to as Telosian Number 2. Because, yeah. And that makes sense, because he's referred to as The Keeper in the original episode. And okay, I'm, I'm fine with it. But yeah, I, I find that funny. Uh, I liked Vina. I liked the use of the Telosians. I liked how they worked. I really liked Ethan Peck's Spock, which I was on the fence about. We'll see if I continue to like it in episodes to come. And all in all, good episode. Beyond that, I don't feel like I can say much without going into spoilers, so spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and go. Sorry, I'm nervously looking at Soundwave just to see if he's judging me. I kind of feel like I did something wrong. Why are the Decepticons coming for me? Anywho, um, <laughs> so some of the big things from this episode is we learn what happened to Spock. His mind, his consciousness, got dislocated in time because he melded with the Red Angel. So he was experiencing past, present, and future simultaneously and unable to break them out. That is an interesting idea, and while Spock was very convinced that the Red Angel was human, I, I'm still not 100% sold on that idea. In their attempt to both make you feel like you need to be watching the short tracks, which most of them were pretty good. The Runaway I rather enjoyed, The Brightest Star was amazing, The Escape Artist is a must-see. That's the one with Mud. 
and anytime you can bring Rain Wilson back to play Harry Mud, I, I'm 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 there. I'm down. I'm ready for it. Just just make it happen. But this one in particular, which they probably will, as they did with the Brightest Star, just completely spoil so that you don't have to have watched it, even though they're trying to show you that they are important and you should watch them. Because I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, there was one called the called Calypso, which was a strange, bizarre thing. It takes place some 1,000 years in the future. The discovery was left kind of in a nebula thingy to do its own thing. A dude named Kraft ends up coming onto the ship. He's a human refugee of a future war who fought in the wars and had problems. The computer, which now has a name, Zora, has developed a personality for itself, and in the end, they dance with each other, and the computer cries. And it was all right. It 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 was fine. It it was an interesting kind of one-off story in the Star Trek universe that it it left very little to me, to my imagination. But what it does tell me is that they are. I feel like more than ever after this episode, that what they're doing is a time travel. We have to fix the future because the future got fouled up and that the character that's actually in the Red Angel suit is whoever was left on the Discovery a thousand years in the future, which means technically it should not be any of the characters that we know unless it's super ultra mega old Spock which we could try to stretch credulity and let that happen. And then that's how Spock comes to realize that his human part isn't really bad because he thought he was a human because ancient, super ancient Spock. I don't know. Please don't do that. Please. If anybody in Star Trek land is listening to the sound of my voice, please, please don't let that be the solution. But that does make me feel like it will be a... More than likely, it will be a character that we have not encountered before. Or the discovery was abandoned and one of the characters... Or the discovery itself ends up getting thrown forward in time because, you know, when Pike and Tyler were in the rift, left the time rift left behind by the Red Angel they started kind of getting dislodged in time. So at some point the discovery is going to get kind of thrown forward in time. And then one of them is going to find the red angel technology or develop it, which then means it's Stamets or Hugh, because they're setting up Hugh to be something different. We'll talk about that. Um, yeah, it, it, we don't get much details about the war other than it's not going well for anybody, especially not the humans. The Federation apparently doesn't exist at this point in the future and everything's all bad doom and gloom, but the computer as a hologram dances with the guy and then cries. It's a weird episode, but it, it, it exists. If you're, if you're currently paying to watch 
um, Star Trek Discovery like I am, the short treks are all right there for free. So, well, not for free. They're part of the paid thing, but they're all right there. So might as well watch it because it will probably be important at some point because Alex Kurtzman said so. Okay. But, eh. So I don't think we really found out anything about the Red Angel. We did find out that Spock didn't kill anybody, which of course he didn't, because he's Spock, and while they may be willing to change things, like making Spock dyslexic, which we didn't talk about in the last episode, but yeah, Spock is apparently dyslexic, so, cool. Um, yeah, I, I am assuming three people did die, and either Philippa or somebody else from Section 31 killed them, and we're eventually going to find that out. Probably Leland killed them. And that's one of the things Giorgio is going to use. One of the many things. One of the gigantic laundry list of things that Philippa Giorgio is building up on her docket of reasons you should fire Leland and leave me in charge. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. So we also learn that Section 31 is basically the Avengers Initiative, and that's an interesting way to go with it. And I mean, like, seriously, did you watch Winter Soldier? If you didn't, this isn't really a spoiler, and I think it actually happens in one of the other movies, too. But basically, um, yeah, Nick Fury has to go before a panel of admirals who, you know, have people from various countries who have signed on to the treaty that allows S.H.I.E.L.D. to exist, and they're kind of like the secret board of directors thing, and that's a big plot point in Winter Soldier, which is a great movie. And basically, we get that here with Section 31. We meet an, an admiral from all of the three for... Well, yeah, there was a human there. I, I'm not sure if there was a human, but at least three of the four founding races of the Federation. We definitely see an Andorian, a Vulcan, and a Tellarite. I'm not sure if we see a human there, because I only remember seeing three people. And those are the people that are technically in charge of Section 31, which will be a bigger thing next episode, because we're apparently going to the place where they're all governed from. Yay. So... <laughs> We will talk about that. This is, we'll talk about that next week. I do feel, though, like this is the longest backdoor pilot ever because they are really setting up that Section 31 show really hard in this season, which I'm not opposed to because anytime you give, get me Michelle Yeoh, I, I'm going to be happy. But beyond that. So, yeah, it's just... I, I don't know how I feel about Section 31 and how they're doing, using it, but eh, that's definitely a topic for next week when we visit their home base. One of the other things that we discover in this episode is the feelings that um, Pike and Vina have for each other. I was kind of glad to see that because you kind of get this idea that they were like Stockholmed if you watch the original series because... We only, as far as we knew, they had only met each other that one time, and yeah, that was weird, and I like that they're building this backstory that Pike still thinks about her, that he did have feelings for her, 
And I like that she tells him, oh, by the way, I've had a simulacra of you running around with me for the last couple years, and it's been kind of awesome and kind of sad, because I know he's not really you, but he's the you that exists in my heart. That was kind of sweet in a, like, creepy Telosian, please repopulate our planet sort of a way. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen The Cage, it's messed up. Anyway, I'd like that they give us more of that relationship so that when, as we know, Pike will eventually end up with Vina on Talos. So at least that feels a little bit better. We also find out what Michael Burnham did to cause the rift between her and Spock. And yeah, it's bad, but okay, so this isn't quite... The this isn't the happening. This isn't some M. Night Shyamalan. They're about to get div a divorce because of coffee. Because, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen the happening, don't. A bunch of people bicker because apparently coffee is bad and plants want to kill people, but you can outrun the wind, so it's okay. There. It's a whole movie. You know everything you need to know. Yeah. Anywho. Um, she basically calls him a half-breed, she says some very racist stuff to him, and then they've never really talked since because she yelled at him and she was mean. I am presuming that that scene that we saw was basically indicative of her behavior with him for a while, and okay, so she acted a little bit racist because she was trying to save him from terrorists that were wanting to kill him. That's, that's, that's not good. But two things really bother me about this. Amanda had to have never known. And they've made it clear that Sarah and Amanda don't know what caused the rift between them. So basically she's like in the shadows, just like being a little crypto fascist to her brother. And that, 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 that's not so good. Like, I don't like that that much. But Spock himself is just like, yeah, of course you did that. There were terrorists trying to kill us because you were human and I'm a half-breed. And yeah, you were trying to save me. I could see the logic in that. It was stupid, but I could see it. So eventually he worked his way through it, but they still didn't talk because, I don't know, Spock just doesn't like his family. That just needs to be the hashtag on all of this. Why have we never heard about all these people? Because hashtag Spock hates his family. Spock doesn't like his family. He doesn't talk about his family. Kirk and McCoy didn't know that Ambassador Sarek was his father until his mother pointed it out to them. Nobody knew he had an older brother until Star Trek V when hippie Spock showed up and decided to take everybody's pain, man. He just doesn't talk about his family. He's just that guy. Just, just, whatever. It's just who he is. <laughs> we just need to accept that. But, yeah, I, I was expecting her to have done something, like, really horrible to him. And, yeah, I mean, being racist towards your little brother is horrible, and that's not good. But, like, the build-up to the payoff? Like, she, she yelled at a kid while she was a kid. And, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. I'm not, like, excusing what she did. It was bad, but, like, 
the the way they built it up, I, I, I don't know. I was expecting worse, like physical violence or something, you know, that she like really hurt him or, and she does make him cry and everything, which for a Vulcan, that's really bad. But uh, I don't know that, that kind of felt weird to me. That was like the weakest part of the episode, just cause I was expecting something much worse. And, I mean, it's still bad, but I don't know. It's that problem that you have with all kinds of fiction where the, when they give you an opening, you can write, like, so many really bad things or things that are so far worse than what eventually actually happens to the characters in your mind, because, you know, reasons. Eh. All in all, the episode was good. It was solid. I really liked how Giorgio just plays Leland in this episode and you know Michelle Yeoh really is the secret star of the show and I have to say okay I've been waiting for this so if you remember when I predicted that Hugh and um Culber were I'm sorry Hugh is Culber when Culber and Stamets were gonna break up because you know you can't have a happy gay relationship on a show ever and let's be honest you can't have a happy anything relationship on a show ever because does anybody remember that whole Keiko O'Brien thing? Or, you know, Troy Riker? Like, relationships don't work in Star Trek. The moral of the story is, if you're in Star Trek and you're in Starfleet, don't get married, don't date, just use the holodeck and Barkley the hell out of it. Because <laughs> that's how it's safer, because relationships just don't work in Starfleet. But, having said that... Eh, Okay, so I'm different. Okay, whatever. Fine. Hugh's on a journey. I'm fine with that. I'm curious to see where it goes. Now, there was something so gloriously cathartic of seeing him try to beat the crap out of Tyler. And something even more fun about <laughs> just Saru standing, like, standing there like, no, nope. Let him fight. Let him fight. Like, he killed him. He's got every right in the world to beat the crap out of him. You know, murder... Once you've murdered somebody, they have the right to beat you up. And when Pike actually... <laughs> when Pike confronts him about it, that wonderful bit of Saru's sarcasm, which if this is going to be the new Saru, I am fine with it. But that wonderful moment of Saru's sarcasm where he's just like... Well, the Starfleet regulations are quite open when it comes to how you deal with a human who had a Klingon grafted into their bones and a dead officer, an officer returned from the dead to getting revenge on his murderer. And uh, yeah, I, I can see how that probably wasn't in the regs manual. And I love you, Sar Sarki Saru. You're my favorite. <laughs> I really do. I love you so much. Doug Jones stealing the show, even though he's not in this episode. Hardly at all. I'm definitely stealing the show. It, I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. As I am wont to do. When I see really horrible writing mistakes that could happen in Star Trek Discovery, I talk about them. And then often I get upset because they come true. I really don't want them setting up some weird... Like, love quadrangle between 
Tyler and Hugh and Paul and Michael. Like, I don't want that to be a thing. Don't let that be a thing. And the only reason I'm saying that is, like, after the fight where they're, like, looking at each other, there was a moment where I was like, oh, my goodness, they're going to kiss. Like, they had that moment in those movies where, like, people are, like, going at each other in a rage and then just start kissing because rage sex is a thing. I really was afraid that was about to happen because they kind of had that weird long look, long longing look in each other's eye. So help me by the great bird of the galaxy, Star Trek. If you put in a love quadrangle in this show, like, I don't know that I would forgive you for a love triangle because it's so not what anybody needs unless we're going to do something with Vosh and the future Star Trek Picard thing. That you're doing. Like, if you want to set up a love triangle between Picard, Vosh, and Crusher, I'm down for it. I will watch that. Like, give me Dallas and Space starring the Crusher family. I'm good. I, I, I'm i a bad person. I would definitely watch that. But I don't want that on this show. I really don't. And I don't... I'm hoping that it was just a weird moment that the actors probably started laughing right after the cut and that's why you see this weird moment of connection between them because they're like doing a stare off and they're just about to laugh and then they cut because you know they didn't want that in the scene and they weren't supposed to do that and that's why i saw that weird chemistry moment but oh dear please please don't do that but if you do do that then I it just, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, see, this is what you do to me, Star Trek Discovery. You make me think of things that I don't want to think about, and then I just lose all control of my mind and my speech and everything. So, yeah, don't do that. All in all, I think this was an interesting idea. I like that they were trying to fix some things in canon, giving us relationships in. This also does tell us a bit better when this is happening in canon. And that basically means Kirk should be about to take over the Enterprise soon. Because Pike served two five-year missions on the Enterprise... The first one ended at Talos. The second one went on from there, and we'd find out he just got back from a deep space mission. Mission, So I'm assuming that's the second five-year mission, and that's why he's no longer on the ship. So expect to hear that they cast a young Kirk, or they just sneak a young Kirk in. Because hmm, if we are where I think we are in timeline then we are close to time for Kirk to take over the Enterprise. So, you know, how they kind of surprised us with the Enterprise showing up at the end of the season one? I, I think they may be doing that at the end of season two. We're going to meet young Kirk. And hopefully young Bones. And then, yeah. You know the rest. Though I would love to see young Scotty. I don't know why. I just 
need that to be a character that exists. If you're going to do Kirk and Spock and McCoy, there's got to be a Scotty. Everybody else, eh. Anywho. All in all, it was a good episode. It really showed that they're up in their game. They are trying to... They are hearing the fan frustration that's running around the internet. They're trying to speak to it. I don't know how I feel about that, because... I don't want them to be too fan servicey because a lot of the ideas that are out there are really bad and I don't want them to start like trying to make the fans happy and make the series get really crazy and weird. I don't want that. But it is nice to see that they're at least kind of listening. So yeah, I don't do number ratings for episodes, but this was a really good one. I enjoyed this a lot. A lot more than I thought I would. Like, I kind of rolled my eyes when I was like, oh, they're going to Talos 4. But it worked out. I'm very happy. So, I'd love to know what you thought. You can always let me know. Like, you know, if you went to Anchor.fm and downloaded the Anchor app, and then followed Project Shadow, and then clicked the little voice message button, and then you could record up to a one-minute message. It could be a question, a comment, like what you thought you know, a topic you'd like to hear me discuss on the show, that'd be awesome. Keep it clean so I can use it. That'd be really cool. I used to get those, and I haven't in a while, and I'd like to get more. That'd be really fun. If you liked this episode, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either the episode or the podcast itself, please do so. That helps out a bunch, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people, and that really helps the podcast to grow. If you have a buck you can throw my way, down in the show notes you'll see a link. This is Anchor Community Support. You can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money basically supports me not only doing this show, but all of the shows that we've talked about, the forthcoming um, Mask of the Gods series that's going to be starting up, and the sci-fi series that I'm working on that you all asked for. So, if you could help out, that would be awesome. If you don't have the money, don't feel guilt or anything about that. Trust me, I know what it means to not have money. I'm fine with that. But if you know anybody that you think might like this podcast, please share it with them. That helps out a bunch, too. If you want to talk to me online, easiest place to do that is Twitter. I'm on Twitter probably more than I should be, but that's my social network of choice. You can find me at CE Dorset over there or links to all of my social medias and everything that I'm doing over at projectshadow.com. I think that's it. Alrighty. So much going on. Anyway, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.